1: Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to the Learn to Love podcast. I'm your host, Zach Beach, and I'm here with the incredible coach, Karen McMahon. Hello, Karen. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey,
0: Zach. Thanks for having me.
1: Karen was on the show previously in episode 79 on the topic of recovering from divorce. And today she's back to talk about the importance of boundaries. And for those that don't know, Karen McMahon is a certified relationship and divorce coach and the founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. Karen has spent the last decade helping thousands of men and women navigate the emotional and practical difficulties of relationships, breakup, and divorce. Karen is the host of the acclaimed Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, co-creator of Journey Beyond Divorce's exclusive 12-step divorce recovery program, and the co-author of the e-book, Stepping Out of Chaos, Turning Pain to Possibility. How are you today, Karen?
0: Very good. It is sunny and lovely here in New York for a change. So that's oh. that's great.
1: Very nice. I'm glad you're seeing the sunshine because I know you tend to be with people and relationships at their most (laughs) stormy. This is true. And you have been working a lot uh, with people going through, have gone through recovering from
0: divorce.
1: And how did this work bring you to recognize and see the importance of boundaries?
0: So often we work with clients who are in more complex or high conflict divorces. And and one of the things that's missing from both parties in those situations are any experience with understanding of boundaries and how to set and uphold them to create safety and healthiness in their relationships.
1: So let's get down to simple definition. Like, what is a boundary?
0: Yeah, you know, uh, your fence around your home <laughs> is a boundary. The lock on your front door is a boundary. And just like we have physical boundaries, we have we have personal boundaries. And so each of us know, or would be well served to learn, like where is where is the line in the sand for me. And so if you're used to somebody uh, speaking a certain way to you, you might not say, you know, that's hurtful and Please don't speak to me that way. So a boundary can be a verbal fence that you put up, uh, something that protects you. And also a boundary is something that allows you to own your part. And so boundaries really allow for personal responsibility and freedom and love because they communicate what the acceptable borders are to behavior with you.
1: It's interesting you brought up the idea of fences because there is that quote that good fences make strong neighbors. So basically (laughs) Ah, in your...
0: (laughs) It's very uh, true.
1: Strong fences make good neighbors. I think it's probably better. And what is your experience for how boundaries actually do serve our relationships? Because it does seem somewhat counterintuitive, right? We think of relationships as being about connection, closeness, intimacy, even becoming one with another person through your interaction and something like the idea of boundaries can seem like walls, separation, and distance.
0: Right. It's it's such a great question. And the truth is all of those things that you described do so much better with boundaries. And part of it is understanding on a very foundational level, a lot of clients come to us and they talk about how he made me feel or how she made me do. And so that is, those are broken boundaries. That's taking what you should be responsible for and putting it on the other person. And so when I'm responsible for my thoughts, feelings, and actions, and you're responsible for yours, it allows for so much more intimacy and closeness as opposed to blaming another person for what you did or vice versa. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I'm wondering if you could give us some examples of nice, appropriate relationship-serving, love-serving boundaries.
0: Yeah, so it may be that, let's say you and I are married and we have a couple of kids, and I say to you, what I noticed is I really need 15 minutes when I get home to just be alone in the room, change, dial down before I come into the living room and engage with you and the kids. And I promise it'll only be 15 minutes and that's going to really benefit everybody. Is that okay with you? And so I'm setting a boundary that if I come right from my crazy work day into the living room, I'm bringing some stuff with me that I don't want to and so so something like that um when you get angry and and you raise your voice I I know you're not attacking me but given the family of origin that I came from I get triggered and so I'm going to ask you If And then I set a boundary. Could we have a safety word? Could we not have these conversations uh, before we go to bed at night? Like the littlest thing is a boundary. And what it really is doing is saying, I realize that I have a need and I'm communicating it with you and I'm asking you to respect it. That's And, and that, then it invites a conversation. And in healthy love where you really want to honor each other and help each other grow and, and be the best that you could be as a couple, it simply enhances love.
1: I love the I statements and that advice. I realize that I have a need. I'm communicating it. I'm asking you to respect it.
0: And it goes quite sideways when you do it the other way. You always, <laughs> you, you can't, you shouldn't, you know, and then the other person puts up their dukes and you start fighting. But when you can keep it in the eye, it's it's really exactly where it should be.
1: Yeah, there's so many ways I can go with this. So many thoughts are coming up. One that's particularly salient is, let's say, I suspect my partner is cheating on me and i want to like look at their text messages and in this case the let's just say the partner is cheating <laughs> and they're like no you can't read my texts this is a need i have i'm communicating it with you i'm ask, i'm asking you to respect it and in this case a person's boundary is around like something they don't want you to say find out or no In that case, I'm like, well, I want to respect this boundary that you're setting. However, I feel like it might have some ill intent
0: behind it. So let's take a look at that. So the request is, I'm looking for some reassurance. I I have this thought. And looking at your text messages... Would help reassure me that this thing that I think is going on isn't going on. And you're like, yeah, no, I don't. It's not cool. I don't. I don't want you looking at my text messages. That's my privacy. I think that the next question would be, okay, well, here's my concern. How else can we we navigate this in a way where I can feel confident that that's not going on? And you could say to me, it's not going on. Just take my word for it. And so then a boundary is something that protects me. So in that case, I think that the first thought that comes to mind for me is what do I need to feel safe? Because if I'm in a relationship and I think my partner is cheating and and he or she doesn't want to show me their phone and their text messages, what do I need to feel safe? And what do I need to feel comforted? And I think if we were to step out of the boundary conversation, if there's nothing bad going on, if there is nothing, if there's no cheating going on, then that partner is going to want to support you in feeling comfortable about that. On the other hand, I could be very jealous and I could have created this whole story out of my, you know, just my own fears. And And when it comes to jealousy, a lot of times jealous people, people who experience jealousy, let me say it that way, want their jealousy to be calmed and fixed by the other person. And that's a broken boundary. Right. So it's it's more complex. It's not like a black and white answer, because part of it is. If I'm jealous and I say to you, I don't want you talking to that girl and I want to see your phone and I don't want this or I do want that, then I'm, I'm putting on you all the responsibility of soothing my jealousy. But if I'm not jealous and I have a fear, then I have to come up with some boundaries that allow me to create some space until I know that either it's not true or it is and we're having a conversation about it. However, you always have a right to say that's my private whatever and and no. No you you may not you may not look. And I can say if 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 there's nothing for me to see and you don't want me to look, I'm I'm unfortunately I'm left with my concern and that's not going to serve our relationship very well. So what can we do about
1: it? Yeah, what I'm hearing from you is that there's almost this dance around Getting both partners' needs met while respecting both partners' boundaries. And in this case, one partner is just simply needing that reassurance, that safety, that security, and the other one wants a certain level of privacy that's not necessarily around secrecy, but there are ways to navigate the situation to get both people's needs met.
0: And it requires each person to not be triggered by what the other one is asking, which is, really valuable to say, if you're in intimate relationship with someone and they have a problem, the relationship has a problem. Like that's kind of how I go at it with my couples. So it's his problem. Actually, no, since you're in relationship, it's a relationship problem. And so can we be kind and soft-hearted in how we approach it?
1: If one person has a problem, your relationship has a problem. I love that. Another situation that's coming up hearing about boundaries is along the lines of leave me alone (laughs) basically where you can tell something is going on with your partner and that it would really help to say talk about it to process it to work through it and that boundary ends up being a way of avoiding the issue right and again we want to respect our partner's boundaries but we're like hmm. Is this a boundary that is serving our relationship and what's happening in the moment in the right way?
0: Yeah, and and I really believe that that's where that's where curiosity is so valuable and judgment is so invaluable. So the judgment is you just always go into your cave or you just like whatever that judgment is for that person, right? That that you you get frustrated or angry at the person's lack of willingness to chat in this moment, and the curiosity is. It's kind of letting go or surrendering what you want the outcome to be and trusting that you're going to get to it, whether it's good or bad, that you'll get to it. And so if I notice that my partner is behaving differently and I've been with them long enough to know that when they behave in this way and they isolate that something's wrong, I can ask in a number of different ways and I can offer support and I can share if their behavior is actually having an impact on me. So, you know, I'm noticing that you're spending a lot of time alone and you've gotten really quiet and my sense is something is going on and I'm hearing that you don't want to talk to me back in the eye and I want you to understand that it's feeling isolating and it would be really helpful for me to understand and what can you tell me or can you explain to me why this is something that you want to hold on to by yourself for now? Like there's so many ways of gently inviting some conversation and, and bringing curiosity into the center of it so that, so that you can find your way because when, when we get triggered right and our inner children are getting all riled, it's, it requires, uh, a lot of grace and compassion. I think grace and compassion to navigate those without ever taking the other person personally. And that's a boundary. If I take you personally, I've I've broken an internal boundary. Like what you do is about you and what I do is about me. So if I'm angry or offended, I can always change my behavior, but to take your behavior personally doesn't serve the relationship.
1: Absolutely. I do really love your emphasis on speaking to our own experience and really just setting boundaries in a way that is not blaming of the other person, right? I could be like, you're overwhelming. I need to set this boundary. Or I can be like, I'm needing this. So I'm going to set this boundary.
0: You could have a needy partner. I mean, I know I, I work a lot <laughs> with more high conflict, but let's say you have a partner who, you know, you love them and you know, they have certain insecurities. And maybe they text you throughout your business day. And then you can say, hey, babe, I I love you. And I, I want you to always know that. And I am going to be putting my phone on silent because I really need to be focused during my business day. And we can talk before and after and maybe touch base during lunch, but that's what I'm going to be doing going forward. And that someone could be hurt or offended by that, but that's not your responsibility. And that's where people get confused. It's like, well, I don't want to hurt or offend anyone. And so now my people pleaser is coming up and it's like, okay, well, Zach being hurt or offended isn't about you. It's that's that's his stuff to work through, which is what we were talking about off, offline, which is love invites growth and often with some discomfort, if not pain. <laughs>
1: I'm thinking of the situation where somebody doesn't express their boundaries. And a huge reason for that being they don't know their boundaries. (laughs) And a lot of people, for example, don't realize they have a boundary until it's been crossed. And another situation is where people just find themselves getting frustrated and resentful and annoyed. Increasingly over time because a boundary is being crossed, but they're not even fully recognizing that that's the dynamic that's coming to play in the relationship. So what are some strategies you found to help us? Learn what boundaries we do have, and discover the boundaries that we do have.
0: Yeah, what you just brought up is is so important. Uh, both learning, like, what do I need? That's it's one of the questions I ask clients so often. It's such a simple question, and so often they're like, "Oh, geez, I don't know." <laughs> like, what do you what do you need in relationship? And it's always good, in my opinion, to look at, well, what did I come from? So I, I came from a household where my, my dad wasn't always there and he and he drank. He was a jolly drunk, but he drank. My mom had three kids at a young age and she was angry. And so there was a lot of conflict in my household. And so conflict was dangerous for me. So as I grew up and got involved in relationships, I began to learn that Disagreement doesn't have to be dangerous and and it doesn't have to be conflict and so for each of us, what do I need in relationship? What do I need emotionally? What do I need from my partner? You know we could talk about love languages, like what do I need that that feeds me? Um, what does my partner need? Uh, what is' acceptable and so, if you come from a household where there's Mine was also a big Italian household where there's yelling and screaming. One partner could come from that where it's actually jolly and family love. And the other one can come from something that it's dangerous and like, you know, run for the hills. And now you're in relationship. And if you don't know to say to your partner, when you raise your voice, when you drop an F bomb, while I love you and I trust you, it's triggering to me. And so I, I, I have a boundary that I'm going to ask about. Or you come from financial scarcity and you say, when you go out and spend over $500 without talking about it, when we've grouped our finances, it brings, it raises, you know, fear in me. And so can we sit down and come up with an agreement around our, our, money and and how we're going to spend it. So whether it's your kids, your spirituality, your sex life, your communication, whatever it is, we all have needs on all of those fronts. And part of it is, is you mentioned the tell, if you're angry, bitter, resentful, then there's something going on that you're not even aware of. And first you have to become aware and then you have to articulate it always in the eye. And then there's a conversation to be had. And with boundaries, there's both the setting of a boundary and then there's the upholding of the boundary, which people almost always get wrong because they feel like if I set a boundary with you, Zach, then you're the one responsible for upholding it. And, um, And that will often go sideways on people.
1: Yeah, it really sounds to me like the two most fundamental questions are what do I need and what boundary do I need to set in order to get it? Which I feel like is almost counterintuitive because if it's like I need food and therefore I need to go get it (laughs) versus what I'm hearing from you, oftentimes it's setting that boundary which actually does help us fulfill a certain need in relationships.
0: Yeah, and whatever it is. I mean, I've had someone say to me, we're having a lovely day. And if I don't eat in the next half hour, I'm going to become cranky and my Hmm. blood sugar is plummeting. Can we, you know, readdress what we were going to do so that I can get some food in me. That's a boundary. That's, you're explaining to me, this is where you're at and this is what you need. And you're asking me to abide. I could say, no, we were going to go to the museum. We're going to the museum. And then you get to say, well, you enjoy the museum, Karen. I'm going to go and get something to eat so that I don't become cranky and get a headache. That's upholding the boundary. It's not changing me or my behavior, but it's taking care of yourself without needing to blame or put down the other person. It's actually incredibly freeing when you become skilled at setting and upholding boundaries. It's really quite beautiful.
1: Yeah, I'd love to go into more what it looks like when we are trying to uphold a boundary and it gets ignored or it gets crossed again and we find ourselves having to ask it again and then it gets ignored again. And almost the silly situation I'm imagining is like with Parents and their teenagers, where like the parent just like opens the door without knocking, and the, the, the kid's like, Mom, yeah, <laughs> like please knock. And I feel like that's happens a lot of times when you are a, a kid and you know, you're trying to set up boundaries, and parents think that they just have permission to kind of do what they want. But you also mentioned how that early conditioning we have as kids ends up showing up later in our adult romantic relationships. So I'm also imagining if we lived in an environment where boundaries weren't uh, respected, that we're going to have that same tendency in our adult romantic relationships to not take boundaries so seriously.
0: I would love to share two thoughts, two little stories that come to mind. So my son is 26 and he was in Seattle, I was in Florida. We both moved to New York and for a short time he moved in with me and once or twice um I knocked on his door and then opened it up to tell him dinner was ready or ask him something and the second time I did it he was so he did exactly what you just said. It was so funny. He was like, "Hey, I'm an adult. Don't freaking open my door. Like, please respect my privacy." And I was I was almost a little bit bashful. I was like, wow, <laughs> that was really a broken boundary. Thank you so much for bringing that to my attention. It won't happen again. And another time he was telling me about a problem he was having when he was on the other side of the country and he processed this whole thing. And then I said, I have, I have a couple of ideas. Can I share them with you? And he said, no, I'm good. And that was his boundary. And that's when a parent needs to feel proud of their kid and go, okay, well, you know where to find me (laughs) if (laughs) you become curious and otherwise you go at it. And so I think that the opposite of that is the parent who keeps opening the door, who says, well, I'm going to tell you my advice anyway. And what we do, no matter what the relationship is, is we begin to chip away at the foundation of trust. And so the upholding of a boundary my son would have had a right to um, lock the door. I asked you three times, you keep opening the door. So now when I'm in my bedroom, I lock the door. That's upholding, you're not changing your behavior, mom, even though I asked you to, and so I'll change mine. And if I started giving him advice that he didn't want to hear, he could say, I'm going to ask you to stop. I, I don't need it and I don't want it. And if I kept talking, he would have every right to hang up the phone. Because... What so many people in unhealthy relationships do is they put the needs of the other person above themselves. And while I'm not suggesting anyone be selfish in a relationship, the idea of being self-loving is if you want someone else to love you, you best be loving yourself. And loving yourself is honoring and respecting your needs. And if you're with someone who's continually not honoring and respecting your needs, it doesn't make them a bad person, but they may not be your person.
1: You know, so far, I feel like we've been talking about tiny boundaries, like I need 15 minutes when I come home to relax. I need to you to knock and wait for my response before you open the door. And what about those really big boundaries? around what we need to do to set them, to make them clear. And I'm thinking about how in relationships we might send, set up boundaries around monogamy, around uh, the behavior that we will or will not tolerate in relationship. What are some conversations that, first of all, you encourage people to have ahead of time? <laughs> and then also, you know, is there healing to be done or what healing is there to be done after those big boundaries do uh, sometimes get crossed?
0: Yeah. I mean, I've worked with couples where, you know, there was betrayal and they wanted to come back together. And so, so that's really big. And, you know, what are you, if, if you, if you cheated, what are you, what steps are you willing to take to help me, rebuild my trust in you. And so those are, so that might be, um, I do have access to your phone and, um, and your email and, and I can ask you any question and you're going to answer me. And so those get really, really tender, but if, if there's been a broken boundary and that, of course, I just went for a really big one that requires the rebuilding of a foundation of trust in in my line of work i work with a lot of people who are in high conflict relationships and so my own experience was i was cussed at i was called bad names i was threatened with divorce you know a hundred times when our kids were very young I had no boundaries. I didn't set them. I I just knew I felt bad. I maybe yelled back, you know, but like nothing productive was happening. And so in a case like that, you can say, you know, when you speak to me that way, it it feels this way and it's unacceptable. And um and so I I see you do it when when we get into an argument. Uh the first boundary might be can we agree that as soon as it gets heated, if either one of us call for a timeout, that that's acceptable. Or it might be, if you continue to speak to me that way, I'm going to leave the room, I'm going to go for a drive, I'm going to hang up the phone. It's always the person who feels their boundary has been broken that needs to change their behavior. And that's what I really want your listeners to hear, that nine times out of 10, when I speak to people about boundaries, they're like, I told them and I told him again and I told him again and he just won't listen to me or she just won't listen to me. And it's like, well, you're missing, you're missing the boat. Like that's, that's, you're, you're doing it upside down. Saying it over and over again, isn't going to change. You have no control over the other human being really from what 15 years up, we have no control over other human beings, but but you do have control over yourself. And when you change your behavior, things are going to change and they're either going to get worse or they're going to get better. And parents do this all the time. The parent who yells and screams at their kid, the kid's like, I'm never going to get a consequence. Mom's going to stop yelling and screaming and I'm going to go back to my video game and everything's going to be fine. And then the parent's like, I don't know what's wrong with my kid. There's nothing wrong with your kid. You need to learn boundaries so that you can teach them boundaries so that you can have a more peaceful household and you can have some rules.
1: I'd love to hear more about what what is that? What's an example of that change of behavior that you're speaking of?
0: So in the in the conversation about using hurtful words, you remove yourself in a conversation about not wanting to, needing space, you you close and you lock a door. So physically there are things to do. A lot of times I have clients who say my ex or my soon-to-be exes or my spouse is texting me really nasty things. And my question is, well, do you read them? Yeah. In fact, it'll be a two-page email. Well, why are you reading a two-page email if the first two sentences were all mean and nasty and hurtful? Like, why are you choosing to be abused? Well, maybe there's something hidden on page two, paragraph three about the kids that's important. Most likely not. Um, And you can write to him and her and say, I did not read your email. And if there's something important you wanted to communicate, I suggest you deliver it all by itself or it's not going to be received and I won't be and you can give them one or two warnings and 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 you can if you have communications like that you can have that communication go directly past your inbox into a folder so that you set a boundary that I can only read these things when I have the capacity to read them and so that'll be after the kids go to bed at night and I don't have to look at it I don't have to see it I don't have to be triggered by it I have taken care of me because the other person isn't able to respect the boundary. So I've upheld it a different way.
1: Does that that help? Absolutely. Yeah, I really love your emphasis on that personal responsibility that we can't control other people as much as we try. (laughs) Our children, our partners, but we can control our own actions. And oftentimes there are certain boundaries that we can set to maintain our own health and happiness.
0: If you're having a financial problem and your partner is not willing to get on the same page, you stop combining your finances. You still pay your part, but you, so there's always something that you can do and it's not the first course of action and there's communication along the way, but the final course of action is since you're unable or unwilling to honor what I'm asking for, I will, I'll take care of it a different way and it's very empowering.
1: I'm curious if you have some examples or experience with things that people think are boundaries but aren't really boundaries or to put it a different way I'm also thinking about people who don't think that boundaries are about themselves but about the others so let's say I'm I'm, I'm imagining a jealous partner again who's like I'm going to set a boundary that you can't hang out with this Coworker of yours of the opposite sex yeah. right, or <laughs> I'm setting a boundary that you know you have to put your clothes away like <laughs> before you know you come to bed or something like that. what are some misconceptions about boundaries? what about the unrealistic boundaries or perhaps overly controlling boundaries?
0: yeah, so there's a difference between a boundary and a demand, and so you know let's take Two people are living together, and one is a little bit on the OCD neat freak side, and the other one is kind of like a sloppy guy or sloppy gal. You know, what do you do about that? And and so there's a conversation to be had in the beginning about what works. And what's so great about these conversations, Zach, is they're very informative because if we're with someone, we're probably looking for that person to be our our person for at least a nice period of time. And yet all of these conversations really help us see like, how good of a fit are we? And so if 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 I'm like all neat and you're a little bit sloppy and I need something, um, I get to ask for it. And it's like, I don't want to pick up your clothes anymore. And yet something about like dropping the clothes on the floor next to the laundry basket instead of in the laundry basket. I believe I dealt with that with both of my kids. I was like, what is it about opening up the top of the laundry basket and putting it in? Like, why does your whole room have to be so, you know, if it's a partner and you're living in the same room, you have to decide what what are my options? What are my options here? I could pick it up and not make a big deal of it. I could go and live in the guest bedroom. Don't want to do that. I've had multiple conversations. And it's it it allows for creativity, and it also is very informative. And so, when when so when you're asking someone else to do something, um, it's not necessarily a broken boundary. We're both sharing the bedroom. It would be nice if I I didn't have to walk over all of your dirty clothes. And what would you say, Zach, if your partner was completely unwilling or yesed you to death and didn't change? their behavior, what would your interpretation of that be?
1: If I was expressing like certain boundaries and my partner wasn't following them that you're saying, and then I would feel, I don't know if hurt is there, I, I would definitely feel frustrated, but I also think that, you know, I want a partner who cares about me and my emotions and is willing to modify their behavior in a certain way so that I have more happiness
0: and and i think if we take that answer which is perfect and we put it in context if you are finding this problem in many different areas of your relationship that's a big red flag if on the other hand your partner like just you know just flowers you with 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 respect and adoration and and whatever that is for you but they're just very clean, oblivious, then then this is where we all have to make those decisions, right? It's like, okay, you were able to move the ball 5% of the way, but this is kind of how you are in this one area. Am I willing to compromise in that area? Or is this so important to me that it could be a deal breaker? And it does come down to that. And I think that's where, when we tried it, inquire and be curious and understand and both partners are doing that 9 times out of 10 you can find a way and in a way where the same behavior can continue and it's just not that important i was listening to actually jay shetty was talking about his his new book and he was saying how he used to get so aggravated at his wife because she was always late and they would have these arguments and then he said then I realized that what I loved about her was how she was so spur of the moment, how I'm so cut and dry, and she would bring this kind of like flow and creativity in. And the yin and yang of that is she's not great with time because she's just so in the moment. And and he literally talked through on one of his episodes how he said, it no longer bothered me. Once I could see the yin and the yang and how I like so much of one part of how she is because of that way that I was able to just let go of my aggravation about the other one and just really you know respect her for all she does bring to the table and I think that there's enormous amount of value in us not being so black and white we're we're humans we're all imperfect we all have our various you know tendencies and and so you're really balancing am I primarily getting my needs met am I going to be a stickler about this one? And if so, good information, that's my choice, but it really informs things going forward. And I think that if you're angry, bitter, or resentful, that's a red flag, that there are boundaries being crossed that you're not aware of and, and slowing it down and figuring out what needs do I have that I haven't even articulated I didn't even know myself that I can begin to discuss with my partner.
1: Yeah, I I do agree with you. It is complex and it is a dance navigating it because I agree with you that bitterness and resentment can result from having boundaries that you don't realize that are getting crossed. But also that we can also set a boundary not to let certain things bother us anymore. Like that internal boundary, like, you know, this thing happens and I'm just going to not let it affect me so much. And as we were winding down, I'd love to tap into this connection between boundaries and love and intimacy. And I feel like starting with ourselves is a great step because I'd love to hear about how boundaries are serving of self love and the connection between the two.
0: Yeah. And so, on on a very base level, if I'm fully responsible for everything I say, do, and Feel. And I think that's where people get tripped up. He made me feel so ashamed when he said blank. And it's like, actually, I think something that's so helpful to understand is you and I could be sitting with the same person experiencing the same let's say displeasing behavior and yet because of your upbringing and my upbringing we could have completely different emotional reactions to what's happening and i'll i'll use i'll I'll use someone who's maybe a boss who's infuriated by something and they're just going off and they're you know they're they're just being anything but pleasant in their words The person who grew up in a healthy household is going to be like, wow, Jim's having a bad day. And I think I'm going to go in and talk to him afterwards and when he calms down and let him know that that's not really appropriate to speak to me that way. And then the other person's going to be like, oh my God, am I going to lose my job? I can't believe he said that. Did I do something? And they're going to have all of this other emotion based on their past experience. And so a situation doesn't make me feel a certain way. A situation or a person simply pokes at a tender (laughs) underbelly, a wound, an unrefinement that I have, but it's my feelings. It's my stuff to work on. And so that self-love piece is, do I love myself enough to risk asking for what I need and determining what my non-negotiables are. And if I'm afraid to do that, that's a red flag. If I'm afraid to do that because I'll upset my partner or someone won't like me, that's a red flag. And so you start there. It's like, if I can get to know myself better, know what makes me tick, know, and this is Emotional Intelligence 101, what are my shortcomings and what are my wounds? And how do they show up in my relationships? And when they do, rather than looking at the person sitting across from me and blaming them for my hurt or fear or whatever it is, what if I always go in first and assess what's going on with me and what I need before I look outward for the cause of my pain? And one of my favorite sayings um, that is not mine, I picked it up from a book, is every upset is a setup for personal work. And it's like, if all of us just imagine that every single time we're triggered, we're being invited into either healing or refining a part of ourselves, then how beautiful is that? And relationships are hard. We're a bunch of porcupines walking around, bumping into each other. Um <laughs> And there's a lot of growth and learning and, and evolution to, to be found there.
1: Well, wow. Really powerful advice there. A few nuggets I have here is, I'm fully responsible for everything I say, do, and feel. That you make me feel? Oh my gosh, such a loaded statement. And do I love myself enough to risk asking for what I need? And every upset is a set up for personal work. So that's the self-love piece. And how do boundaries serve our intimate relationships and the love we have for others?
0: When I think about a healthy relationship, a healthy intimate relationship filled with boundaries, there's incredible freedom. There's so much opportunity for love, respect, and freedom because kind of like, what country is it that you could drive down the highway or in the middle of the city and everyone's going in every which direction and like, what are the rules of the road? And, <laughs> you know, I know I've heard stories of driving in different parts of like the world where it's like, it's really dangerous. Like we have rules of the road. We have speed limits. We have stop signs. We have, you know, the difference between a, a white line and yellow double lines and, and relationships need all of that. And when we don't have that, there isn't freedom and intimacy and respect because nobody quite knows when they're stepping on someone else's landmine. But when you have that and having boundaries fosters beautiful communication, then intimate relationship, in in my humble opinion, can go so much deeper and trust can be so rock solid when, when boundaries exist.
1: I love that. Boundaries prevent collisions. <laughs> it's it's true. true. I love the metaphor. The, all the, the the road signs and the lines and the speed limits and the stoplights and the the medians between each side of the road. These are all boundaries that allow us to get exactly to where we want to go in a safe manner. And in relationships, it prevents conflict and it lets you go to where you want to go. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. So with that, I'll ask you the final question I ask all of my guests. You've had probably a year to think about it, if you want to answer it differently (laughs) from the last time you were on. So what do you wish everyone knew about love?
0: That it's not always easy. And when you commit to the love of yourself and the other, it's it can be one of the most incredible experiences of your life. And I say it's not always easy because I especially the young people that like my kids friends and stuff that there's this concept that if it's too hard it's just not meant to be and and the truth is it can be hard and and super beautiful because you're you're growing together.
1: Absolutely. Ah, thank you so much, Karen McMahon, for coming on to the show. The founder of Journey Beyond Divorce and co author of Stepping Out of Chaos, Turning Pain to Possibility. For our listeners that that want to learn more about you, how can they find you?
0: Uh, JourneyBeyondDivorce.com is the website, and Journey Beyond Divorce is also the, um, the name of the podcast. And we have a new uh, free giveaway. It's called a uh, toxic tell quiz and it actually leads to a boundary challenge so if your listeners were curious and interested um they can find that on the home page of the website
1: wonderful toxic trait quiz and this is this a quiz for toxic traits i have or for me to examine toxic traits in others
0: it actually is questioning your relationship um uh, how toxic is your relationship? So we deal a lot in high conflict, and a lot of times I have—I actually just recently had a colleague refer someone, and you know, she said I'm pretty sure he's a narcissist, and and I spoke to this fellow, and he was anything but. And so the toxic tell is a great way for people to uh, to see how healthy or unhealthy are the behaviors that both me and my partner engage in in our relationship.
1: Nice. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much, Karen McMahon, for coming on to the show. And thank you listeners for listening to the show. We hope you remember many of the valuable lessons that Karen shared with us today, including those fundamental questions. What do I need? And what boundary do I need to set in order to get it? That boundaries can serve your self-love and love for others. That strong fences make good neighbors in our relationships for ourselves and think about what do you need that feeds you recognize that you are fully responsible for everything you say do and feel the hardest one <laughs> ask yourself if you love yourself enough to risk asking for what you need recognize that every upset is a setup for personal work and love can be hard but absolutely worth it as you grow together in intimacy and joy If you want to learn more about me, you can head to ZachBeach.com and learn more about the show at TheHeartCenter.com. Thanks again, Karen.
0: Thanks, Zach. Great conversation. Thanks again for listening to the Learn to Love podcast.
1: To learn more about the show and your host, head over to ZachBeach.com or TheHeartCenter.com. You can also follow Zach on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.